sure thankful for that uh, ensemble group. If you think about it through the year, pray for them as they travel through the uh, school year, usually about one week in a month, and then they'll be traveling throughout the months of June and July, uh, going really throughout the country. I know all the way out west uh, to Utah, and uh, then lots of places between uh, here and there in between. And the uh, Lord's used the college ensemble through the years to um, put the uh, burden and the need and the opportunity for a Bible college in front of a lot of young people's uh, mind and let them pray about it and uh, used uh, them in a lot of uh, ways. Pray for that group itself. Uh, there's at least a couple seniors among them that uh, are praying about their next step and uh, most likely will be in a, in a church uh, somewhere serving the Lord in full-time service as well many of our uh, seniors that are graduating from the Bible college each year, that's the case. It's a bittersweet time uh, to talk with uh, seniors and, and at the start of the year and uh, pray with them and then uh, through the year see uh, the Lord match them up with a place that he'd have them to go. And it's uh, one by one through the year. Uh, it's a blessing to hear him say, well, the Lord showed me where he would have me to go and that's where I'll be uh, serving him uh, uh, going forward. And uh, so we're thankful for that. Now 40 plus years of that happening, and uh, boy, throughout, the, throughout this uh, year, about all the years, but uh, so many phone calls from uh, churches that are uh, just really needing um, a young couple or a, a young man, a young lady to come and to help in some way on their staff, and uh, every year uh, the need far outweighs the supply, uh, and, and that's the case with uh, so many. A man told me just... Uh, well, a few months ago, I said, please keep at it. I know it's difficult. I know having any type of a Bible college today is difficult. There's so many challenges in this present environment. He said, stay with it. He says, we need it. And we have so many uh, needs in our uh, churches, in our schools, in our youth groups. And that's just in America, let alone the great, vast opportunity that there is in the, what, 189 nations around the world in which the largest majority of lost people live. Wow, what a tremendous thing to pray for. Uh, this need is beyond our ability uh, to see met. Uh, this uh, need really is a supernatural need. We need a supernatural God to, uh, to meet this. And we trust um, that the Lord will find us faithful in these days, but uh, pray for our college ensemble, and we're thankful for them, pray for them as they travel, and as they, uh, both now during the school year, and as well as during the summer. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, every once in a while, you get to preach a message that, man, you can't wait to preach, and you're looking forward to it, and that's this message. I mean, it's kind of hard for it not to be a great uh, opportunity uh, when you're in the book of Philippians, much less Philippians chapter 4. Uh, so the book of Philippians is uh, uh, probably my favorite book. Um, and there's some wonderful promises in this book for spirit-filled uh, Christians, spirit-filled church members, not wealthy church members, not educated church members, not uh, that group. Because if we study the background of the book of Philippians, we know that's not the case with this church. They were... They were small in number. They were most likely uh, mainly comprised of the uneducated class. Um, they were not uh, a big church uh, in one sense, uh, but what they allowed the Lord to do was big. 
It's not how important we are. It's what we allow the Lord to do that makes the difference. And so, Philippians chapter 4. Let me read a few verses here. Chapter 4, verses 9 through 13. Those things which you have both learned and received, heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you are also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry both to, to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. What a great verse to end with there. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I'd like to, just for a little while this evening, share with you this message. I can't is contagious, but so is I can Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to open your word. Lord, you've preserved this for us today, and you knew that your coming would not come till at least 2023. And the fact that society is such today, you knew that these scriptures would be used by those that believe you and believe your word at this time in 2023. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to understand them and then be willing to apply them and willing to let the truths of this passage be contagious in and among those that uh, we're around and that we're with. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The I can do, verse 13, proclamation there is an interesting word. When we study this, it's a simple word study, the I can do there has the idea of a ability that is derived from someone or something else. That's the sense of that word. And similarly, at the end of the verse, we have this phrase, through Christ, which strengtheneth me. The word strengthen there is a strength or a power, we might say. The word behind that is where the word dunamis. This is a supernatural or a miraculous power. Certainly not something that any one of us could create or could pass on. And so we think of I can versus I can't. Many of the stories of the Bible set these two mindsets one against another, even among those that say they believe in God. Turn, if you would, to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. Here is, among the Old Testament passages, uh, a I can versus I can't um, contrast. Numbers chapter 13, verse 25 so we're going way back in time here to the uh, time with Caleb and Joshua and leaving the promised land. This is thousands of years ago. The I can't of unbelief versus the I can of faith. Honestly, a lot of the Christian life boils down just to that. It always has. The I can't or we can't unbelief versus the we can or I can, 
of faith. These two philosophies are waging a restless, relentless battle for your mind and for my mind. Both desperately want to win that battle. Because whichever of those two thoughts or beliefs wins our mind, they win our actions. And they win uh, our outlook. And they win our love. And they win our future. And they win our energy. They win our time. I can battling. I can't. Here it is played out in real life. Numbers 13.25. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them fruit of the land. So we jump in here in the return of the 12 spies. They were sent to spy out the promised land before all people entered. Verse 27, And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us. Surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, 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 here's the beginnings of I can't. But, but, nevertheless, sneaking in, it's the spirit of I can't. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it. For we are well able to overcome it, the I can of faith. This is Philippians 4.13 in action, here in Numbers 13.30. This is Philippians 4.13, put into real life. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able. Look at verse 30. We are well able, the I can of faith. Verse 31, we be not able, the I can't of unbelief. We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. And we saw there the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, so we were in their sight. So, in this passage, we might say it's Caleb and the cowards. It's a man of belief and faith versus people of unbelief. It's a battle. It's a challenge. It's a, who's going to win this tug of war? So I'll explain it like this. For those that uh, gave the, we are not able to, or we can't, here's who was involved with that scenario. There was the people, the spies, versus the people of the land. There were two groups in their mind that were involved with this conflict. Caleb simply had a different perspective. 
there was a third person in his mind that made this I can versus I can't different. He came to I can because the third person in this equation was his almighty God. And so the difference between unbelief and faith and what we do with that in this case was Caleb saw God who was quite a bit more powerful than any mountain dwellers, people that live by the coast, and giants weren't real big in comparison with the God who he had a vision of and who he had belief in. But the people saw just the other people. And so they withered in unbelief. Caleb saw three participants, him, them, and God. Maybe uh, you think about the story of David and remind yourself that the same thing played out in David's life when he was young and he comes to a battle site and he finds the tall king Saul talking about the taller giant Goliath, and Saul, comparing himself to Goliath, said, I can't, the I can't of unbelief. But just like Caleb, David comes to that same setting and sees the same thing that everybody else sees, but this is the key part of this message. He saw a third person in this scenario. And in this circumstance that he did not ask to go into, he saw a third person involved. And he talked about that third person when he, filled with faith and courage, said, The battle is the Lord's. Saul never mentioned the Lord when he described what was before them, did he? Caleb added the Lord to the equation of his circumstance and realized he had eternal, almighty, omnipotent power that he was following. And so did David. And David worked a great victory. And Caleb conquered the promised land as an old guy. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They stood before a king. The king condemned them to the blazing flames. And the king, in his mind saw three eyes plus a hot fire. Mm. Flames win this battle. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego added a third part to that equation. They saw a king, and they, or they saw the flames. They saw themselves. But who else did they see? Because of their faith, they were able to see face-to-face, the fourth one looks like the Son of God who's walking through the flames of three men of faith, three Philippians 4.13 men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. One preacher said this, The thing that is being forgotten by the vast majority of people is that the really important fact in the world today is not the news. It's not the activity that is going on in the world today. 
That's not the really important thing. The really important fact in the world today is God's activity. What God is doing. Not what men are doing. Men have been doing their thing and their activity since the start of time. And that's not the most important thing for us. That's what can consume us if we're not careful. That can be what, as we heard preached this morning, brings about the fear and the unrest and really squelches our faith in God and our hope for serving God. We can talk about that stuff all day long. But the really important thing is what's God doing in this world? Or maybe better yet, what could God do? What could God do? Reference this morning was Mark chapter 2. Four guys who, by all intents and purposes, had an impossible task, and that's to get their friend to Jesus. They had all the I can'ts in front of them. They had every option for an excuse. Can't, 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 can't. But they decided, we're going to make this happen. And so they figured out a way. They were determined because they had a cause. Their cause was, this man needs to get to Jesus. That drove them. Just like whatever is in your heart and my heart, your cause drives you. You say, I'm not very driven. Then there's something in your heart besides the Lord that needs place with him. I can, we can, they said. They got to the roof. A favorite story ever for me to tell in junior church was this. It's just fun to tell. They got him up to the roof. They broke open the roof. They lowered him down. Soon there's a scene. Here's the scene. Their friend walking, jumping, jumping around, leaping, smiling ear to ear. Jesus there, undoubtedly smiling and sharing in the joy of that man. An astonished crowd. (laughs) I can't believe this. Did you see what just happened? The last thing the Bible doesn't talk about, about but per, permit a brief speculation that that man that was just healed looked up and saw looking down four goofy, satisfied, ecstatic faces of some guys that believed that they could and so they did and their faith put to the test was greatly rewarded in that case. Our great book of Philippians lays out like this. Chapter 1 tells us we can have joy. We can have joy in tribulation. Chapter 2 tells us we can be obedient in tribulation. Number 3, chapter 3, we can stay faithful in tribulation. Chapter 4, maybe the hardest, We can be content in tribulation. Back to Philippians chapter 4. If you would, turn back to Philippians chapter 4. I think of this chapter, I I, I just reading through it, I call it the great all or none chapters. It's either all or none, several times uh, throughout this chapter. Chapter 4, verse 4 says, always rejoice. Always. When? Always. No, No, but really. Really? Always? Oh, come on, Paul, you had it easy. Well, he had to hand this letter out through the bars of a prison to get it taken, so I think that excuse is taken away from him. Always rejoice. Verse 
Number five says, let all men see your moderation, your spirit control. Number six, worry for nothing. Be careful for nothing. Nothing. What, what, no, but what about this? No, nothing. But, but what, what's a couple things? Give me just a couple things I can at least hold on to a worry about because I don't know what I'll do if I'm not able to worry about. Be careful or worry or anxious for nothing. That's this command. But same verse says, take those requests to God. What's the alternative? Just worry about nothing. Well, what do I do? Take your request to God. Is that enough for you and I? We've got to ask ourselves that. Is that enough? Is, is he enough? Is taking our deepest cares and concerns and taking them to God and leaving them with, is that enough? Is God enough? How big is God? How important is God? How omnipotent is God? Not in, your, not in my doctrinal, in your life, in your gut, in your heart, in you. How big is God? Is he big enough for my anxious concerns and cares or worries or not? I mean, that's where we're at. It's great words. They've been around for a long time, 2,000 years. What do they mean? What do they mean to you and I? How are they applied? Is it the I can of unbelief? Yeah, but I can't let go of that. Or is it it's the I can of faith because we know who we're giving those cares to. And we trust him so much that we hand those off to him. Take your request to God. Verse 7. God's peace is greater than all your understanding. Peace that passes all understanding. There is no way that we can properly describe or explain or understand the extensiveness, the completeness of God's peace in our souls. Verse 11, we can be content in every situation. Everyone except the one I'm in right now. (laughs) Have you ever been there? Except for this one, because this is new for me. Or this is doubly hard. Or I've been in this one before and I'm back there again and I'm wondering if I'm ever going to get out of this. Verse 11 says, we can be content in every situation. Verse 13 is our text verse. I can do all things through Christ. Verses 18 to 23, let's read there. But I have all in abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply, there's our word again, all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. These five, six verses tell us this. Imprisoned Paul had all that he needed. That doesn't make sense. Surely he needs something else. He's in prison. Paul said he had all that he needed. And he was in prison. Big lesson for us, isn't it? He had all he needed And I can't help but think of this, because he had a really, really, really big God. And that's why. He had all he needed. All of his needs would be supplied, he says. Then he tells the church, salute all the members. Don't salute some. Fellowship with everybody in the church. Not picking shoes. Salute everybody. Kind of practical, but that's not all in this chapter. 
And God's grace would be on all of them. The last verse of this great chapter. Another observation about this chapter, I find, is the three through Christ Jesus statements. Look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This peace comes through Christ Jesus. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And then verse 19, the Bible there says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. By, through, these words have the, carry the same sense. And in fact, they have the same sense as the words that are on the banner right behind me. Ephesians 3.21 Unto him be glory in the church through or by Christ Jesus. So these statements that the Bible gives us here about peace, verse 7, about the ability to do whatever God wants us to do and not do whatever God doesn't want us to do in verse 13, and for the belief and the understanding that God is going to supply all of our needs don't mean very much. Don't mean very much. Unless we learn to know and to love and believe the one person that's behind all of that, which is Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. You know, for thousands of years, the Jewish nation longed to see their Christ, their Messiah, the one that was going to come and take over whatever empire was ruling the world at that time and was going to establish an earthly kingdom and be their great military leader and rule them. They longed for that Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Many in Christ's day thought that he had come to be that part of his messianic uh, 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 office at that time. He had to tell Peter, who pulled his sword in the garden, and was ready to start the insurrection, start the war. He had to tell Peter, put your sword up. That time is coming, but it's not yet. Because right now, I came to be Jesus. I came to be your Savior. I came to go to the cross. I came to suffer and to die in your place so that you could have a Savior. One day, I will come back as Christ, the Messiah, the Lord, the King, the Ruler, and um, He'll be leading the armies. And there'll be a great worldwide victory. And He will establish Himself and He will rule Christ, all-powerful. He could have called at the time he was on the cross 10,000 angels if he wanted to. But the song says he died alone for you and me. He came as the Savior. He came as the Lamb of Isaiah chapter 53. He came to give himself for you and I. So it's not until we understand the power of Christ 
and the sacrifice of Jesus that we can fully understand how that this peace can come into our heart by Christ Jesus, who he is, and how he can bring that. We understand who he is, and based on that, we can do all things through Christ. And all of our needs will be supplied by Christ Jesus. It's his vehicle that you get in in this life. If you want peace, if you want to do all things that he's pleased with and not do the things that he's not, it's his vehicle that you get in. And you're also not the driver. Neither am I. We're the passenger. Are you in good hands, if that's the case? If you're the passenger in the vehicle, metaphorically, that the Lord is driving, are you in good hands? This world today says, no way. You're the master of your fate. I'm not going to surrender my faith and my life to someone like that. I I barely know him. Hence the problem. Hence the problem. He's the driver. And you're also not behind the wheel. You're a trusting passenger. I can do all things through Christ. That's me and this world and the circumstances that it brings about. But the third person involved in every one of those, Christ, Jesus. Can we meditate just for a little bit on who he is? And love him and know him and be hungry for a change and thirsty for a change at righteousness and be able to have the promise of Matthew 5. If you're in that case, I'm in that case, we will be filled, not with ourselves and not with our will and not with our way, but with a love for the Lord so deep that we will say, I want to find out where the vehicle is that you're driving, I want to get in the passenger seat, and I want to enjoy the fellowship with you through this life. And I trust you as the driver. Everything, everything in modern society pushes against that. Everything you hear, every philosophy that you'll see, every glitzy and glamorous thing that this world has to offer will challenge that in you. It's not you and the circumstance. It's you your Lord, and then your task at hand. A few years back, a number of years back, a few of us were in a foreign country. The foreign country was Turkey, and we happened to be there with the Mitchells. We were 30 miles or so from uh, the place we needed to be at. And so the accepted mode of getting back to there was going to be a taxi. Well, little did Pastor Mitchell and I know that apparently in the tour book we missed a little footnote that says Turkish taxi drivers think they're A.J. Foyt. They think they are uh, transplanted Daytona 500 drivers. We missed that footnote. So unwittingly, we hop in the back of, oh, this should be fun. What a little, little extra culture here, you know, a little... Turkish smell going on in the air, and a lot of Turkish smell going on in the backseat of that taxi. No, wasn't getting that. But I'll say this: 
you know, our estimated time of arrival, had there been GPS back then, he'd have beat it by a bunch. <laughs> I know a few of you that say, my goal is to beat the GPS arrival time. My goal is to beat it. Well, you, you know, you got a friend in Turkey, if you ever get over there, look this guy up. Uh, so we get out, out of the taxi, and we, I don't know, we think, we got to just remember this, because I think every one of our life events flashed before our eyes rapidly right there. I think he was busy writing out his will. I was writing goodbye notes to our wives and, and kids and church, and, you know, it's been a good ride, you know, <laughs> a little pun as we go off into eternity. Uh, we get off, we had somebody take our picture, and I'm telling you what, the Turkish taxi, taxi driver, he didn't bat an eye. He's smiling there like nothing ever happened. Pastor Mitchell and I, you know, <clears throat> ended up <clears throat> each other's hearts there. Luckily, we had a couple of those with us. And, uh, <clears throat> we made it. Don't know that I would really want to put my life in the hands of that driver again. <laughs> it was risky. Risky, risky, risky. But the Lord having the helm, the wheel, that's not risky at all. Joseph proved that. Joseph proved that. Joseph came from a dysfunctional family and did not have one brother that was a good example to him. Plus, he got a raw deal that cost him total up some time. How many years of his life? But through it all, he let the Lord stay in charge. When it seemed what? Impossible. I promise all of us this. There will be a time when letting the Lord stay in charge and being I can of faith versus the I can of unbelief is going to seem impossible to do. Joseph, the raw deal. Someday we'll say, life's not fair. And then we're going to look and see Joseph. And we'll say, thank you, Joseph, for being an Old Testament type example. Imperfect, we know. But an Old Testament type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who, if we say, life's not fair. And then lay our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to take those words back real quick. And we'll say, thank you, Lord Jesus, for being the perfect example of surrendering your will to your Father's will so that we can enjoy the pleasures of heaven for eternity. Thank you for not throwing your hands up when it was no longer fair. There's some things we can do. We can do whatever the Lord wants us to do, and we can stop doing whatever the Lord doesn't want us to do. I really believe that is the sense in context of Philippians 4.13. We can always pray. We can always pray. A tremendous opportunity, probably too often neglected by, by most of us. We can Always pray. We can always read the Bible. We can always rejoice. We can always say no when necessary. Always. We can always say no to what God does not want us to do. Every single time. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. No one ever, ever has to sin. 
we can always share our faith. Even if we're like, don't have the track. If we do, we can hand that out. We can tell people what the Lord Jesus did for us. We can't always do that. We can always serve. No one has ever said, I'd like to serve. Oh, what? Too much. We've got too many of those people. We've got too much surface going on around here. No, no matter where you're at, you can always serve. You can serve in church. You can serve in your home. You can serve wherever you're at. That's a job that's always available. We can always thank. We can always thank people. We can always be thankful. And being thankful, the mindset often always results in Thanking others, the action, they go together. We can always do that. We can always do something good for somebody else. Nothing prohibits any one of us from thinking of another person around them and doing something good, unexpected for that person. And you have no idea how much the timing of that might very well be the encouragement that that person needed right then. But if that is a habit of our life, the blessings will come. Our eyes on ourself and our own estimate of ourself shrinks back down to reality. And our excitement for finding that person and just doing something for them could be quite a blessing. We can always give. We can always give. We can always fulfill our roles in home, at home. Husbands can always love. Wives can always submit and love and follow and pray. Children can always obey. Moms and dads can bring up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Yes, counterculture. They can discipline. They can spank they can do it God's way. They can't, you can do that. Because God teaches that. You can do that. We can always be, and this is the simplest, faithful. We can always trust God, always trust God in difficult circumstances. Even the ones that sometimes steal our sleep from us. We can always trust God. Thank you, Lord, that we can always trust you. I can do all things. It's not talking about name it and claim it. Look at verse 12 of this chapter. I know how to be abased. Paul later says, I'm instructed to be hungry, to suffer need. It's not name it and claim it. Paul was in want and in poverty. This verse isn't for the guy that just kicked the 50-yard field goal. You know, I don't know him. I was out there, and I was like, I can do all things through Christ. And they snapped that ball back, and the setter, he put the ball down there, and the whole time, I can do all things through Christ. And then the ball went through the uprights. Man, I can do all things. It's not for an athlete. It's not talking about that. It's not talking about healing or miraculous faith healing. You can do all things Faith healing, not talking about, they're not talking about the power of positive thinking. If it was, we wouldn't have talked so much. We talk more about ourselves and our minds, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about Christ Jesus. That's who we're talking about. By, through Christ Jesus. It's written from prison. Paul did not escape the prison, ultimately, did he? Yet he still had Philippians 4.13 
as his verse. Paul, weak, short, Paul writes these words. He had great highs and great lows. During the prison stay, he committed to these truths. You can't have the right attitude no matter what. Excellent spirit, Daniel. Challenge, difficult, long way from home. Excellent spirit. You can have the right attitude no matter what, and you can do whatever God wants you to do. So, look long and hard for a Bible hero we might call a Bible hero who lived a sinless life. You won't find one. You will not find a Bible hero that lived a sinless life. We don't say that to encourage you in our, in your sin. I don't say that to encourage me in my sins, but to remind us we can get past it. You can do all things through Christ, through Christ, which strengtheneth you. Can't, just so we all know, and I think it's pretty obvious, but can't never did anything. Not one thing. Can't never did one thing. But why do we live beside can't so often and think that somehow can't is going to get us progress in the Christian life? Can't loves it when you hang around him because he's going to drain your spirituality. He's going to drain your hope for the future. He's going to drain your love for the Lord. He's going to drain your love for others and leave you continuing with more. I can't going on to stand alone without him is to be weak. One preacher said that circumstances will always be too strong for me and sins will always be too strong. But Christ and I are always in the majority in the face of all foes, be they ever so many and strong. We can confidently say that they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Caleb, Joseph, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, and everyone that just claimed this truth and lived it at all costs. You don't have to be a slave to anything. This verse teaches us, I believe, we can do all things through Christ, and we can also not do the things that God doesn't want us to do. You can quit smoking. You can quit smoking. Maybe there's somebody that's here, and you're struggling with smoking. You can quit it, and I can tell you why. One, because you can do all things through Christ, and God doesn't want you to do that. And secondly, talk to some other people that smoked before. Find out they got over it too. They trusted God. They gave it to him. You can quit drinking alcohol. You can quit drinking alcohol. It's not impossible. Who are we talking about here? Me versus alcohol? No, me, this sin, and the Lord Jesus Christ's power. You can unplug the TV. Uh, you can. If you need to, you can. You can unplug the TV. Turn it off for a week. Turn it off till the revival. Some people say this, compare what you did in its place to the time and people you had to ignore in the time that you'd watch it. Compare the time you were watching it. Think about the things you had to ignore in order to make that happen. Ask yourself about the time involved. You can quit worldly music. When? Right now. You can quit it. Right now, we're going to show some Bible verses here in just a minute. You can quit it right now. Why? The Lord Christ Jesus, the all-powerful Messiah, your Savior Jesus, gives you and I strength when we are in the passenger seat and he's in the driver's seat. Oh, I better avoid that car. 
Lord's driving that. I'm going to have to, hmm, let me recommend. Hop in that seat and listen to the Lord and ask and see, Lord, what do you want me to stop? He may show different people here some different things. You can quit using ungodly language. Some guys, definitely today's society and certainly the permeation sports world, thinks that uh, swear words and slangy swear words are manly. Okay? But you can quit that. A good long view with the Lord Jesus Christ. You can quit that. You can get rid of immodesty in clothing right now. Right now. You can quit that. You can live without cell phone attachment. Cell phone attachment. Cell phones have made people seem more important than they are. And they've made people look more important than they are. You don't have to be a slave to these things. You can quit being a slave to your flesh's appetite. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth. That is miraculous supernatural power. Me, that supernatural power, I don't have that. But the Lord does, and he will give that and allow that into my life to conquer these things, to say yes to what needs to say yes to, and no to what God wants me to say no to. You can get victory over the sleaziness of talk radio. It's getting sleazier all the time, isn't it? You can say no to that right away, that quick. You can get the victory. We can get the victory over our time spent on social media sites. Too much time. Is it fair for us to think that at the judgment seat, God might... hand us over the time log of our life with stats about how we used our time? Is it fair to think that well, it's a judgment seat, right? It's an examination. We were, are all told, redeem the time, right? Because the days are evil. Is it fair to think the Lord might say, here, here, not, not how did you, but here is how you did spend your time? There, there, there's, there's none of us that can't do. <laughs> I mean, maybe there's someone that, that that's, that's not in this, but I think there's all of us probably that could say, "Let me examine that precious gift of time that's fleeting, and let me think about answering for my time log before the Lord, and let me make some decisions. Let me refocus some things. Let me just walk away from some shallowness that I've just fallen into the rut of." throwing time at. We can start this now. The Bible says this, quickly, let him that stole steal less. No, let him that stole steal no more. Just stop. Just stop. John 8, he tells the lady, go and sin no more. That's it. Just stop it. Uh, In Isaiah chapter 1, God says, bring no more vain relations. In other words, don't worship me in emptiness anymore. In 1 Corinthians 15, 34, awake to righteousness and sin not. Stop. We can stop it. We can stop the excuses and we can stop verse sin because Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ. And it's his strength. It's his miraculous supernatural power available to come into my life for these things that allows me to agree with him, 
follow him. If I will. If I will. What can we do? We can spend 30 minutes alone with God every day. We can. Is that worth doing? Is 30 minutes a good number? Maybe that's too much for some. Maybe that's not enough for others. What's our number then? What is a good number? Lord, help me to follow you and spend that time with you every day. That can be done. That's a good thing to be done. We can pass out tracks. We simply can. We can pass out tracks. And every track is an opportunity for someone to see the most wonderful message in the entire history of mankind. We can sing out in church. We can knock on a door. We can carry our Bible. We can have family devotions. You can make your home a headquarters of prayer, evangelism. I'm saying your home, a headquarters of prayer, evangelism, giving, singing, helping, making a difference. You can make your home that. There's nothing stopping us from that. Sometimes we make this harder than it is. Okay? You can do all things. I can do all things through Christ. I think Paul wrote that just to say, I can, you can't. I think he's including us in this promise from God. Some things that seem impossible right now, I'll never be able to give that up. I will say from personal experience and from tons of other people, I think we would all say this, if something God doesn't want you to have and you stop it, in three or four months from now, you may never even miss it. You may say, why did, that, why did that enslave me? Why did I make that such a big deal? Just a couple months doing what God says. Because we turn our obedience to him, the desires of our heart will follow. What a great blessing that is. Think about the old saints and what they did without. Again, I love reading biographies. Because I see what people did without, and yet they had all that they Needed. So a proper understanding of this verse, Philippians 4.13, its context, we can pretty excitedly move on to God's application for all of our lives. It's exciting. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Stuff to start, stuff to keep doing, and stuff, stuff to stop right now, if we will. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for... Uh, the attentiveness here, a little bit longer of a message, Lord. But uh, thank you, Lord, again, for our church, for each one here. Uh, Lord, help us to uh, walk away from the world of I can't, of unbelief. Lord, give us a spirit of I can, Lord, and help us to apply these things in our lives and in our homes uh, in a real practical way. In Jesus' name we pray.